0: Are you ready for God's Word? I have a really short message today because we're going to be doing some anointing in just a minute. And I'll talk more about that in a second, but we've been talking about the breaking point. We started a new series entitled The Breaking Point. And I said last week that this heat is driving me to a breaking point. Am I the only one? This heat is unbearable. My AC is having trouble keeping up and we just put it in. its I mean, it's just unbearable, it's like 105 degrees yesterday. But that's the kind, I mean, the kind of heat that we're feeling, it it felt like 115 degrees. And, And you want to go into Austin on that kind of heat day and people are losing their minds. They're acting nuttier than they normally would they get irate, they get upset, you know, everybody's like at their wits end and they're, they're at that breaking point. But how many of you know that the enemy doesn't just want to turn up the heat in your life in a physical sense, he wants to turn it up in a spiritual and emotional sense. He wants to bring you to a breaking point and this is why it's so important for us to practice a Sabbath and why the Lord gave us a Sabbath. What does that mean? It means that six days you're going to be in the rat race, but you've got to take a time. You've got to take a moment. You've got to take a day where you recharge, where you renew, where you revive, where you refresh. Isn't that true? And how many of you would just say, without uh, any pride, just you know, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say, I need a rest, Lord. I need a break every now and again. I just need to replenish. It's good to replenish because. To do that is to say, I'm not too proud to believe that somehow, I'm not human. It means you are are aware of your mortality of who you are. You're not a supernatural, immortal being that just can go without ever taking a rest. You're also not a machine. You are a divinely um, created being that God said needed to rest. Every seven days. And so you're here today, this is how you get replenished by God's word. You get to hear God's word, you get to be encouraged in your spirit. And so the Bible tells us that he does exactly that. Now I want to share something with you because today we're going to cover a very simple message and the message is is basically about fear. How many of you know there are different types of fear and not all fear is bad? We'll talk about that in a second. In fact, we're going to talk about two basic categories of fear, the good fear and the bad fear. And out of the good fear, we're only going to talk about one, and that is the fear of God. Now this fear is an unholy fear. It's an insecurity. It's an exploitation of the enemy of your, of your shortcomings, because how many of us know there's limits to what we what we have and what we possess. And out of those limits, he exploits. And he says, well, you may not have enough money. You may not be strong enough, smart enough. You might not live long enough. You might, whatever it is, he exploits that. But there is a holy fear, a holy fear. Now watch this, that will manifest in faith, faith. This holy fear and faith go hand in hand. How so? Because when you fear the Lord, it means you've gotten to know him. And you understand he's not just any old God. He is the most high God. You also know that he can be trusted. You also know that he is to be reverenced and he is to be honored. And he is to be looked up to and worshipped. Why? Because in faith you've entered into relationship. And that relationship puts you in a position of honor and reverence to this awesome, holy, amazing God that gives us the privilege of having a relationship with Him. And that's what we're talking about here today. It's a simple, simple message, and I want to start with anticipation, because anticipation can trigger fear. Did you know that? You say, well, anticipation for what? Anticipation for a new chapter in your life or anticipation for a vacation? Yes. Depends how you're wired. If you're like me, anticipation sometimes, I, I get. I, I tend to think the, the glass is half full. But sometimes my wife, for anticipation, she just thinks of all the things she has to get done, and it may not get done on time, like whether it be vacation, whatever it is, and it can, it can trigger fear. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you, when you go to a new chapter in your life, have been tempted to have fear? Like, say, for instance, when you first started kindergarten. Anyone in the room can relate to me that I was, I didn't like school. Anyone not like school? Am I the only one? Okay, good. A couple honest people. Second service had no one honest. Like they had one person raise their hand. Come on. You know, and I can remember that um, like for instance, school is was a hard thing for me, especially at first, because I just I think I was misunderstood. But either way, um, I can relate to little Johnny that tells his mama, Mama, I'm never going back to school, ever. And mom says, Why, Johnny? And he says, The teacher doesn't know a thing. All she does is ask questions all day long. (laughs) And so mom said, Now, you're going to school. He decided to try his luck with dad. So he says, Dad... um, I can't go to school and I don't want to go to school. And dad says, Why? He says, Because um, I don't feel well. Dad says, You don't feel well. Where is it that you don't feel well? And he goes, Well, at school, duh. (laughs) The truth is, you know, sometimes we have these new chapters in our life that aren't always welcomed. You know, it's the fear of the unknown. I can remember going to kindergarten and thinking, Oh my goodness, what's that going to be like? And then my parents prayed over me and anointed me. And so that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to pray over you, and we're going to believe for you. And you say, what is that? It says it's a proclamation of God's blessing over you. And when you believe that blessing, then you can walk in faith, not in fear. And so we talk about faith over fear because that's the antidote to fear, faith. And so I can remember going from kindergarten to to then, and now I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable, but then there's a next step. What's the next step? Junior high. And I can remember having that same anticipation, and, and the word anticipation literally means the act of anticipating something, expectation, prediction, forecast, hope. And it leaves a lot of room for your imagination to run wild. To run wild, and the enemy will use your imagination against you. But you know what I've learned? I've learned that every step of the way God was with me when I transitioned into junior high And then he was with me when I went into high school, and then he was with me when I went into college, and he was with me when I went from college to the workforce, and when when I went from the workforce to the church world and started a church, and he's been with me every step of the way. And so that should be enough to build my faith, if I remember. But you know what? Um, uh, I was going to say Americans, not just Americans, Um, humans are prone to forget. And this is where we pick up you know, the teaching today. I want you to go to your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6-7. through 7. You have a very familiar passage here, and I'm going to read verse 7 first, and it says, For God has not given us the spirit of... That means we're to live with no fear. Now, we've already said that there is a healthy type of fear, isn't there? How many of you know who Brian... Simo was. Brian Simo was a NASCAR driver. Anyone know who he was? He, um, he drove the Trans Am and uh, had a, a few good years, but mainly his big claim to fame, you would know him by his company's name. He started a company of apparel and, and uh, merchandise around the slogan, No Fear. How many of you know that slogan? No fear. And I can remember every guy with a truck had the no fear sticker on the back of the truck. But you know, can I tell you something? Sometimes that no fear motto, that no fear adage that that people were so willing to live by should have been more like darn fool. Am I right? Instead of the no fear shirt, they should have had darn fool shirt. And, and you say, but why, Pastor? Why? Because every year, listen to me closely, there's hundreds of people that plunge to their death taking selfies or pictures at the Grand Canyon, and yet they do it in the name of no fear. There's a railing saying, don't go past this, and they go. Am I right? And they go stand on the edge, and they try to take a selfie only to... So there is a fear that preserves, doesn't it? There is a fear that's wrong. What fear is Paul talking about here to his young protege, Timothy? You know the fear that's talked about? It's different from fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is reverence, respect, love, admiration, honor, honor. That's what we should have for our lives, a respect, a healthy you know, like appreciation for our life. The no fear, the, the, the fear that he uses here with Timothy is very specific. It's cowardice. Timidity from insecurity. Trying to live by yourself for yourself instead of by God's power for his glory. And so there's a big difference here. And so he says this to him. He says, Therefore, I remind you. Now, why would he remind him? The reason he says, I remind you is because that's the key. When we forget, we end up living in our own strength. And he's saying, I need you to remember you have an amazing God who will help you. You don't have to live by yourself. You don't have to depend on just me, myself, and I. You can depend on God. And so he says, you got to stir up your faith. Watch, read it right there. Therefore, I remind you to stir up your gift. What gift? The gift of faith that God gave you when he introduced himself to you. And even if you have a mustard-sized grain of faith, a mustard-seed-sized grain of faith, you can move mountains if you stir it up. And so he says, stir it up, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. You did not get a spirit of cowardice, but you got a spirit of faith. Amen, of faith. And so he says, remember, this is what I want us to, to do. We want to remember and not forget. We've got to stop being ashamed. And start av- having faith. And you say, why ashamed? Because he, he brings that up, and I don't have time to read the whole chapter because i got more things to get into, but he, he focuses on shame. And he tells Timothy, stop being ashamed of being a Christian because it's in your shame that you, that you forfeit your strength. What does shame mean? Let's read the, the word Ashamed. It means to be embarrassed or guilty because of one's actions, characteristics, or associations. Now watch this. Reluctant to do something because of fear of embarrassment or humiliation. That's when we say, you know what? I don't know if, if it'll work out right for me. I don't know if I'll be able to get it done. So what will people say? I'm going to be the laughing stock. I'm not going to make it through. I'm going to fall on my face. It's going to be bad for me. Instead of saying, you know what, Lord, I'll do everything you've called me to by your strength because I have nothing to fear but but being disobedient. And so if you said it shall be done, then it shall be done. And so this is really interesting because in just a minute I'm going to show you this. Whatever you feel will gravitate to, will, will pull you towards it. You will gravitate to what you fear and you will ultimately worship it. Did you hear me? That's deep. It doesn't seem very intuitive. It's actually counterintuitive. But if you fear God with holy fear, you will respect him, honor him, and worship him. If you have an unholy fear and it turns into shame, you will ultimately be bound to that and end up worshiping that. I'll show you in just a second, but let's keep reading. Let's keep reading because this is important. So Paul goes on in the next chapter and says this to Timothy, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Come on, can I have a hello? Man, it's getting worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Spirit. Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So he says, There it is. That faith, I need you to remember it. I need you to come back to it. I need you to stir it up. I need you to understand. That's the key. And so I want to show you that what we've been talking about in terms of Paul's teaching to Timothy is also found in other parts of the scripture. This idea of, Hey, When you have this unholy fear, you're going to start compromising. Holy fear brings out faith and a sincere dedication to the king of kings, the Lord of lords. This unholy fear has to do with shame and compromise and insecurity. And watch what happens when you live out here. Bad things happen. And so there's a story in the book of Judges, chapter 6, and it's about a man named Gideon. How many of you have ever heard the story of Gideon? If if you need some background on Gideon, just, just raise your hand. If you're like, Pastor, don't go too fast. I could use more info on Gideon. Okay, Gideon was what's called a judge. A judge was an individual that God raised up To bring salvation. In the Hebrew, the word judge means salvation or savior. So they were a type of savior, okay? Now, this is where the judges take place. How many of you have heard of the kings of Israel? The first king was Saul. The second king was who? David. Okay, so you have the kings, and then you have Moses and Joshua. They bring them out of Egypt into the promised land. After Moses died, and before they had a king, there was hundreds of years where God would use judges, because God was their king. God was their king. But the people would what? Forget. So I told you, it's the human condition to forget. Things would be going good, they're walking along, slowly they forget God, and they walk off the path. And so they went through this cycle where things were good, they start to forget, things get really, really bad, they come back to the Lord, cry out to Him, He sends a judge, they get delivered, they forget, and this was the cycle of the judges for hundreds of years. Gideon is one of those judges. We good? Now watch what happens in chapter 6. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot. They did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. Can I tell you, when you operate in unholy fear and you turn your heart away from God, God will step back and say, I need you to learn a lesson. Because what lesson do you teach your child if they do wrong and you reward them? What have you just reinforced in them? You've just reinforced. It's okay to do wrong because every time you do wrong, I'll reinforce I'll, I'll bless it. So God says, No, you're doing wrong. You've turned your back on me. I'm going to let you suffer some consequences till you call out to me. Come on, how many, how many of us know that it's, it's not good to be proud in God's presence? He can outlast you. Some of us say, Well, I'm going to. Sooner or later, you'll come around, God. Yeah. Let me know how that works out for you. Then the children of the Lord did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. They flew. They they um, they withdrew to the mountains. And they were hiding in any nook and cranny they possibly could to get safety from these guys. And you'll see why. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, they planted their crops, the Midians would come up. Also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against Israel. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce and all the crops as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep nor ox, nor donkey, nothing. I want you to think about how miserable that is if you have enemies come through and they wipe you out. You think God's trying to get their attention? Someone here might be saying, is that playing out in my life? I don't think I'd wait to have nothing. I think I'd start screaming out, Lord, help me now. Amen? And so watch. He says, So Israel, uh, let's keep going. Verse 5. For they would come up with the livestock and with their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels were without number. You couldn't even number. You couldn't even count them all. They would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished. They became poor because of these Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And so the Lord does something amazing. He raises up a judge. Can I get an amen? Amen. And this is what he says when he raises up this judge. Are you ready? Also, I said to you, this is God saying, I've said this to you. I am the Lord, your God. Come on. How many of you have the Lord as your God? Then he's speaking to you. He's saying, I am your God. And watch what he says. Do not fear the gods of these people. Now, why would he say that? I'll tell you why he said it. Because what you fear will, will, will pull you towards it. How so? Think about it. Think about it. I fear, let's say you're a student, and you fear being shunned by your fellow classmates. Now, all of a sudden, you're compromising. How so? Well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be made to look like a chump and this and that. So give me that. I'll just take a little hit. I won't inhale, right? The next thing you know, you're smoking with the rest of them. Why? Because you you fear being left out. You fear getting made fun of. You fear the peer pressure. How about this? I fear what they might think if they think I'm a goody two-shoes, so I'll just drop an F-bomb now and again. Then one F-bomb turns into speaking like a sailor. Oh, man, but that's so easy for the kids. Okay, how about for us adults? I fear being alone, so I shack up with any old person? I fear going through divorce, so I don't do it God's way and get married? Come on, I'm just just being real. See, what you fear is what you gravitate towards. Now, I'm not judging you. I'm trying to open up your heart to say, hey, what am I fearing? How about this? I fear that I may not be good enough to get a man better than the one I have, so I'll put up with this sorry treatment. When God says, you are my daughter, I will give you the very best I have to offer, but you've got to trust me, but I may have to be alone, then you may have to be alone for a season, but I'm going to draw you near to my heart, and as I draw you near to my heart, I'm going to reshape you and rebuild you, and I'm going to put some confidence in you, and I'm going to remind you of how much I love you, so that when that man comes along, you actually recognize it. And can I tell you, it's hard to find the right guy when you got the wrong guy hanging around. Isn't that true? So what I'm trying to tell you is what we fear is what we gravitate towards. God's saying, fear me and know that I can handle your problems. You say, well, why did you put it that? It can be in anything. You might fear your job or you might fear, watch. If you fear being poor, then you're gonna give yourself to material things rather than trusting God for it. It goes in every aspect of life. You go, well, Pastor, you're making me feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Just take it to God. Say, these are my fears. Amen. I wanna I want to honor you with them. And this is what he says. You say, but how does that have to? How do you get that out of that? Okay, watch. Baal. When you worshiped Baal, it was said that he would bless you. So they started fearing at some point, what if they're right? I mean, I know I honor God and we keep the Sabbath holy, but maybe on another day of the week, we'll go over here and just do a little sacrifice to Baal, just in case. This is known as keeping one foot in the world and one foot in the church, right? And then one sacrifice turns into outright what? Blasphemy. One sacrifice is all it takes to blaspheme the Lord. And that's how it happens. And this is why he says, why do you fear these gods? They're empty. They're nothing. I'm the one you should fear. And when you fear me, I bring you closer to me. And I help you with your insecurities. See, the, world, the devil won't help you with your insecurities. He'll devour you with them. God will replace your insecurities with faith. With faith. Sonship. He calls you a son, a daughter of the most high God. Come on. Am I, am I, you hearing what I'm saying here? I'm to say, no, nah, we ain't picking up what you're laying down, pastor. Sorry. Look, look. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tree, which was an Aphra, which belonged to Joash, while his son, Joash's son, Gideon, threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So you have these evil oppressors that are stealing everything. He's in the rocks hiding in a winepress, because the winepress was kind of built up in the rocks, and he's hiding in there so that the Midianites won't see him. But he's threshing wheat, and the threshing of the wheat causes the shaft to float up. So he's thinking somebody might see this, but hopefully they won't. The next thing you know, the angel of the Lord comes, sits down underneath the tree, and starts to speak to him. And he's like, oh! And the angel of the Lord says this to him. Watch what he says. He says, and the angel of the Lord, verse 12, appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, why would he say the Lord is with you? Because that's what, always, that's what God always says. If I be with you, who can be? No, I need you to get this because I, this, I'll never remember, I mean, excuse me, I'll never forget, that's what I meant to say. I'll never forget my little brother. There's three brothers. There's my, me, I'm the oldest. Then there's Aaron, he's a year and a half. And then Isaac's five years younger than me. And so Isaac has two older brothers, and he was constantly getting invites, and I knew why. Because he would bring me and Aaron. And I kid you not, he'd run home on his bike, and he'd tell me and Aaron, and Aaron and I were like, oh my goodness, let's go see what's going on. And we'd be riding with him, and he'd break off from among us. He'd break off. You know, I mean, just imagine kids like the Sandlot age, you know, on their bikes, and he rides faster than us, and he goes and he dumps his bike, and he runs up to the biggest guy, and he just pat right in the nose. And I'm like, how does he have that courage? He's a little bitty kid. Well, it was us. We had his back. That's what God is saying. If I have your back, why are you scared? If I have your back, why are you worried about this job? If I have your back, why are you worried about this relationship? If I have your back, why are you worried about your provision? Why are you worried? If God be for you, who can be against you? And that's what he's saying. You're here being fearful, but the Lord is with you. And I'm here as a messenger to remind you I'm with you. Can I tell you, this is what this anointing is all about. You're about to go into another chapter of life. When we anoint you today, I want you to remember God is with you. God is with you, and if he before you, who can be against you? And then he says, you mighty man of valor, why? Because God always calls the things that aren't as though they were. Before Peter was as strong as a rock, he called him Peter, Petros, you are my rock. He failed him three times, but he was calling something out of him. And if you fear the Lord and you walk in faith, he will call the very best out of you. He'll call things that are not. As though they were. And the enemy will try to tell you, but you're not. But God said, and if he said it, it shall be, because he never lies. He never lies. And so some of you need to hear the word of the Lord. Not what, But I don't feel that way. Watch. You're going to see what Gideon says about his feelings. He's going to say this. Oh, my Lord, if you were with us, why then is all this happening to us? because you've been unfaithful, but I'm about to answer your prayers. And then he goes on to say, watch verse 14. I need you to go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Didn't I just tell you I'm going to use you? So he's reminding him. And watch, he gives him another excuse. He says, oh my Lord, Lord, verse 15, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. This is what he's saying. But I'm so weak, and I feel so insecure. I feel, and God is saying, I'm not talking about how you feel. I'm talking about what is, and my word is. My word is true. My word will be fulfilled. And if I have called you something, then you are that, because... I call the things that aren't as though they were because they will be. Amen? And so God is saying, you are my daughter. You are my son. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've forgiven you. I've plunged your sin into the deepest sea. I've separated it like the east is from the west. But I don't feel forgiven. You are forgiven. Walk in that forgiveness. Walk in the promise of the Lord. So he says to him, but I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest. He's literally saying, of the family tree, I'm on the weakest branch, and I'm the weakest of that weakest branch, and I'm the leaf that's about to fall. (laughs) I'm nobody, God. And you know what God says to him? What am I doing? He steps right over that objection. Same thing he did to Moses. Moses said, but I stutter. But I, but how can I? And God goes, anyway. I can you imagine God going, you're really not that bad? (laughs) Let let me me share with you how good you are. Let me share with you kind of some of your good qualities. God says, "I, I I can use a donkey. I can use a donkey. I can use a rock. I can use anything, but I've chosen to use you. I'm the difference maker. And you know what else the Bible says? That he purposefully uses the humble things. So if you don't feel like you're all that much, just say, Lord, I humble myself before you. I'm not all that much, but you are greater than I could possibly imagine. You are greater. You are greater still. And so God says this and assuredly, I will be with you, verse 16, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. This is what he tells Timothy in verse 5 of those verses we started with. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Paul says you're acting cowardly and ashamed because you don't remember the genuine faith. And so as you walk into this next chapter of your life, into this next educational year, I want you to call into remembrance and stir up that faith that is in you by the preaching of this word today, by the laying on of our hands and anointing you with oil. And you say, but pastor, Well, I don't understand. I want you to know that the anointing we do today is symbolic. This isn't meant to be alongside of the communion or alongside of baptism. Those are the ordinances of the church. But this is a way that this church has decided to bless and remind you that God is with you. That God is with you and that you can remember This genuine faith that is in you, that is in you. So you say, Pastor, what else about the Gideon story? So this is interesting. Verse 22, and then we'll be done. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God. You go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. He's an angel or is he God? So Gideon says, I want to worship you. And I wanna burn an offering to you. Now, I need you to understand something. Anytime an angel was worshiped in the Old Testament, the angel would say, Stop. You don't worship me, you worship God. That's what Satan got in trouble for. He took the worship for himself. We don't do that. So, what happens when this angel allows the worship? What does that mean? It's Jesus Christ. But how could Jesus Christ be an angel? No, you need to understand something. In the Hebrew, the word angel means messenger. He brings a message. Jesus Christ was the ultimate messenger. What did he bring? He brought the good news message. He says, I love you this much as he hung on a cross. I love you. And I died so you wouldn't have to die. That's the message of his love. And so he comes here to Gideon and he says, I'm with you. Same message he came and told you the day he saved your soul. He loves you. So sometimes when my preaching is harsh, it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he does love you. Don't waste time feeding the enemy's insecurities. He'll just devour you, devour you, devour you. Give it to God and let him set you free. Let him set you free. So this is what the angel of the Lord tells Gideon. He says, I want you to go and deal with Baal's altar. I want you to tear Baal's altar down. Tear it all up, clean it up. And so Gideon's scared because it's in his daddy's lot. It's in his daddy's house. And he's like, God said, do it, do it, right? But I'm going to do it at night. When nobody's watching, they wake up and it's done. You go, but pastor, that's not, what does that mean? It means just like with David, when David, before he could kill Goliath publicly, he had to kill the lion and the bear privately. The Holy Spirit, as you walk in faith today and you remember that he's with you, is going to ask you to deal with some things. And he wants you to deal with them privately so that this year he can bless you publicly. See, Gideon is going to start to lead the Lord's army, but first he has to deal with this sin issue. He has to deal with some things that aren't right, that he's been compromising on. You say, but how, what does that have to do with me? The Lord might say, hey, if you want to go into the next chapter of your life with my blessing, you might need a sacrifice and get rid of some friends. See, it's hard to soar with eagles if you're running with turkeys. Isn't that true? And so God might say, hey, you need to let go of that. God might say, you need to let go of a a stinking thinking. Or you always, oh, I'm never going to be any good. I guess I just will never make the honor roll. I guess I just can't do it. I just get rid of that. I don't know what it is, but the Lord's going to speak to you about something you got to tear down. Maybe it's a compromise in some other area. A secret sin that's been just holding you there. And God is saying, man, go slay that thing. Just deal with it. And so as the worship team comes up and we get ready to anoint you, I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. And just say, Spirit of the living God, I know that you're with me. I know that it was Jesus Christ who brought the good news message to my heart. And so as I walk into this next chapter of my life, As I walk into this next chapter of my life, God, fill my heart with faith. I sacrifice that altar of fear. I just feel like saying this right now to someone. Someone near here needs to hear me. Are you hearing? Are you listening? Someone is being told right now, the enemy is telling you, you will never save your marriage. God cannot do anything with it. And I'm here to tell you, he's a liar. What God is blessed, what God is blessed, let no man separate. So you don't have to wonder if God is for your marriage. If you are married, God is for it. He is for it. What you have to do is put that stinking thinking behind you. And say, Lord, from here on out, I believe that you are with me. Amen. And I walk in the confidence of your blessing, Amen. of your blessing.